Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, we have been reading the book of Ruth together for the last few weeks. It is uh, a story about love, uh, both the kind of love that God has for people like us and the kind of love that he grows in people like us. So the widows, Naomi and Ruth, have been back in Bethlehem for six or uh, seven weeks now um, through the barley and wheat harvests, which are now nearing their end. Uh, through the welcome and generosity of Boaz, they have been cared for uh, beyond any reasonable expectation, but the harvest is ending. And the instability and the vulnerability of their little family looms large in Naomi's mind. So let me read the next part of their story. I'm going to read uh, Ruth chapter 3 for us. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. 
Father, we ask, uh, as we always do, that you would use this word um, that we've read together and heard together um, to show us more clearly the word who bears our flesh, who's seated at your right hand right now praying for people like us. Show us his grace and love more clearly and change us by it. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, it has been a happy harvest, a happy harvest for Naomi and Ruth. Uh, Ruth has awakened every morning knowing that she will be welcomed in the fields of Boaz. And Boaz, uh, for his part, has done everything in his power to make sure that she has been afforded protection and welcome. And the result has been that Naomi and Ruth have not gone hungry, not even close, really. And knowing this uh, at this point in the story, feeling this easy contentment that flows through the story um, could lull us into forgetting that as great as things have been, they are still in an incredibly vulnerable place. Unless something changes for them, they will uh, continue to be dependent on the kindness of others for their daily bread for the rest of their lives. And that kind of impending reality uh, wears on a mind, and it wears on a heart. And we haven't talked about this in a while, maybe since the first couple weeks that we started reading Ruth together, but we can't forget, none of us can forget that they are living in uh, very difficult times, in the times when the judges ruled, uh, as the storyteller says at the beginning of the story, where people did just really whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. If you want to know what that means exactly, then you can read the book of Judges this afternoon. But I'm, I'm telling you now to brace yourself because it is violent and ugly, in particular for women. During the harvest, uh, Boaz had mediated the very real threat of assault on a young woman like Ruth, but what about six months from now? What about a year from now for these two women living alone in violent times? And so like we saw last week, Naomi uh, has begun to think about the future. And I have to say that just the fact that this is happening is a beautiful sign. I mean, you, uh, you might remember her resignation. Do you remember what it was that she said and how it was at the beginning of the story for her? She hadn't even uh, wanted Ruth to come with her at all. Out on that road outside of Moab, she had run through all of these desperate options and scenarios for her daughter-in-law, and they had all come back as, as big, fat zeros. But Ruth's kindness... That kindness that she had pledged to Naomi until the day Naomi died had led to Boaz's kindness. And now things are very different for Naomi. The love of others has awakened her own ability to love. And it has begun to be called out of her. And now Naomi can finally think past herself past even her own death, and into the future, and to the future of Ruth. She says, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? And church, I just have to say, this is 
pretty much the whole point of the story. <laughs> this is the point of the story in, that we've been hearing and reading together, that God's love and our love for one another called out is a shelter in turbulent times. God's love for people like us and our love as it is called out of us by his love is a rest for people in turbulent times. And you know, I got to say, of all the things I think we could remind ourselves of in times like these, this should be probably at the very top of the list. I mean, we've just come out of an election week that has further exposed an unsettledness. I don't mean the results, I mean the way that it has all shaken out these competing ideas for the future, competing visions for the future, the sharp splits of opinion in our nation, the distrust that continues to exist. It is clear, it, it is clear that we need to reckon with one another. And the question is, will we reckon with one another through more polarization? Will we do it uh, through ridicule? Will we do it through distrust? Will we continue the snark? Or will we reckon with one another in love? We have been made to be the people whose every relationship, whose every word, whose every intention with the other is to be marked with self-giving love. I'm not saying that because that's my opinion. <laughs> I'm saying that because that's what Jesus taught us. That every inclination and intention and word towards the other is to be marked with self-giving love. And when we do that, in God's name and fueled by his own love working in us, the results that matter the most are always assured. It will be a shelter to other people. It will be a refuge and a rest for people. And of course, it's not just our politics where there's turbulence. These rising uh, infection rates loom over us, and with that, economic insecurity and perhaps job insecurity, general unease about the future. I'm sad to say that Several more of us in our church have lost loved ones in the last few weeks. Relationships are strained. We are a people who need rest among a people who need rest. And here's the good news. God's love and our love for one another is a shelter in turbulent times. It is a rest for people in difficult times. It covers people in real, tangible, red-blooded ways. And that is absolutely true, church. So Naomi has this plan for Ruth, this plan to give Ruth rest and shelter. And to absolutely nobody's surprise, it includes Boaz, this redeemer who has already been so kind to them. And the truth of the matter is, if he would marry Ruth, then lots of the insecurity that hangs over her future as a foreigner, as a widow, would be removed. But <laughs> there are some considerable hurdles to that plan. Uh, first of all, it's clear Boaz isn't making any moves. 
and there's no brother. There's no father in the picture for Ruth, which is the normal way in ancient cultures that these introductions would be made. So Naomi comes up with a plan, a daring, dangerous, alternative plan. It's simple, really, on the face of it. She tells Ruth to look good and to smell good and to creep over to the threshing floor without being seen. And then once the big end of the harvest party has ended and Boaz goes to sleep, she should slink over and uncover his feet and lie down and wait. I know that we hear that. We hear that and it sounds crazy to us. It sounds like a crazy plan. (laughs) But, you know, some of you swipe left and right to find spouses these days. So let's keep it in perspective, all right? This plan rests on allure. And it rests on attraction, to be sure. But it also rests on the hope that Boaz, who has been described already as a worthy man, will act worthy in the moment. There's no question about it. There are deep ambiguities built into this plan with steep and serious consequences if it doesn't go well. So the plan unfolds. Boaz uh, goes to sleep with a merry heart at the end of a heap of grain. Ruth yanks the covers off his feet and probably his legs too, and she waits. And at midnight, he starts, he turns over, and he realizes something is off. The storyteller narrates it from Boaz's perspective. Behold, a woman is lying at his feet. And church, this is the split second. This is the moment where it could all go wrong. This is the moment where it could all go wrong for Ruth or for Boaz or for both of them. It is a moment that is wildly open to anger or to shame or to violence or to something illicit. And in the darkness, Boaz asks, who are you? And this is the moment that Ruth veers off the plan. The plan had been to keep quiet and just to see what Boaz does. But instead, Ruth goes off script and she open-handedly makes her desires plain. I am your servant, Ruth. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Make no mistake about this, this is a marriage proposal from a foreigner to an Israelite, from a poor woman to a wealthy man, from someone with no influence at all to someone with all of the influence. And it is a proposal that is crafted, it is a a proposal that is framed in language that Boaz has already used with Ruth. 
You remember he said, look, my welcome for you is just God's welcome for you. He says to her, you have come to seek refuge under the wings of God. And now she is asking him to give her refuge under his own wings. Cynthia Ozick, the uh, American essayist and novelist, wrote this about Boaz's response. She wrote, his words have enchanted the centuries. A tenderness wide-hearted and ripe. <laughs> he says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. For you have made this last kindness greater than the first. You could have asked anyone, but you asked me. And the joy of human love enters into the story. <laughs> the thrill of romance. I mean, there's been hints about it for sure. There have been suggestions all along the way, but all unspoken, all very well hidden. But this is the moment that you realize Boaz likes Ruth. He like likes her. He's been carrying a torch for her, but he couldn't say it or he wouldn't say it. And now he is overcome is pretty great. And as a way of describing Ruth's way of being in the world, as a way of describing her way of loving, he uses that very strong Hebrew word again, this word that keeps coming up in the story, kindness. It's that word that gets translated kindness. It's love that is shaped by grace and shaped by mercy and shaped by faithfulness. It is love that is shaped by loyalty. That's how he describes Ruth. And this is a good moment to be reminded that you and I, people like us, we have been made the objects of that kind of love by Jesus, our Redeemer. And it is the kind of love that he calls out of us now for the life of this world. And I think it's beautiful, to be honest with you, that we get to see it play out here between Ruth and Boaz, because that's usually how it plays out in our own lives too, right? In normal, everyday relationships with people who are nearby. <laughs> I mean, if, if you have the kind of influence, if you have the kind of um, power and access to power um, that could lead to grand sweeping, world-changing efforts by your self-giving love, then by all means use that access and power and do it. But most of us don't have that kind of power and access. Our lives play out on a smaller scale where every interaction, every intention, every word towards the others in our lives can be flavored <laughs> by self-giving, faithful, loyal love. And it's that kind of love that we have been made for. And when we do that, when we, when we give ourselves in love faithfully and loyally, 
we offer shelter and refuge and rest for people in very turbulent times. I need people like this all around me offering this kind of rest to me. And so do you. And that's who we are for one another by the grace of Jesus. So Boaz, uh, he starts doing, you know, like Boaz does. <laughs> he says, I'm going to do everything that you ask. Don't be afraid at all, Ruth. Please don't be afraid. I'll do everything that you ask. He keeps her safe that night. He makes sure that in the morning she can leave without anyone casting aspersions on her character. And he loads her down with more barley uh, to take back to Naomi. He says, you can't, you can't go back to her empty-handed. And so she returns to her mother-in-law, and Naomi sees this, you know. She hears what's happened, and you have to wonder. You have to wonder if Naomi remembered her words from just a couple weeks before when she lamented, I left Bethlehem full, but I've come back empty. Well, God is undercutting her narrative for sure. <laughs> there is grain spilling out everywhere to prove it. And hope, hope for rest for her beloved Ruth. But you know, like all good romances in history, there is a threat to the couple being together. <laughs> Boaz tells Ruth there is a redeemer nearer to the family than he is. That's a closer relative who by right could redeem the family and should be given the chance to do so. So the third act of the story ends with a question mark, but also with a certainty about Boaz that is voiced by Naomi herself. This man won't rest. He will settle the matter today. Let me pray for us. Father, we hear Jesus' words, like in the gospel lesson that we heard this morning. He calls out of us love for one another. He says that's how people will know who you are. We hear the words like we heard in the, the New Testament lesson this morning, to love one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. It makes up for a lot of trouble. And so we ask, Father, that we would not only hear, but that we would believe and that we would act because, precisely because we have first been loved by a Redeemer. Help us to believe, help us to rest, and then help us to act in love towards this broken world. Father, do this so we'll grow up in our own faith, so that we will be stronger in our faith. And do this so that you can, through us, love this broken world around us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.